Ladies, gentlemen, and degenerate gamblers alike, we are back. Hot off the heels of UFC Fight Night 17 in Las Vegas. We are back here at the five-round commute to give you a quick recap. My name is Bookie Cousins. As always, my partner, Jerome the Laser. Let's get right into it. I'm I'm just going to be honest with you. A rough night for me. Uh, One for five on my picks. Uh, and then I went down a unit, thankfully, for Wonder Boy saving the day for me there, um, which puts me at three for nine total on my picks, shooting at about a 33% clip uh, and down a unit on my betting. Uh, the laser over here went two for five, uh, not a great night for him as well. Five for nine total, shooting at about 55%. Uh, and losing two units yesterday dropped his total to even on the year so neither of us betting too well neither of us picking too well but what i will say is that it was a very enjoyable fight night yeah i mean it sucks when your bets don't go the way that you that you wanted them to but it was awesome to watch uh a lot of these fights obviously didn't turn out how we were expecting but um it was it's exciting as a fight fan to see it because these guys uh especially some of uh you know perea and, um, you know, he really impressed looking forward to seeing how he can pr- uh, progress in the division. And then Aldo obviously looked awesome. It's great to see Aldo win. Anytime you got an Aldo fight, you know, I'm always going to tune in. So I, I'm glad to see that he's going to continue to win. And hopefully we can continue to see him fight in the UFC. Yeah. And we'll go right into those shortly. But the one I want to start with is the one five round consensus pick that we were able to agree on and follow through something we were expecting. Steven Wonderboy Thompson with the decision win over Jeff Neal. Not a whole lot to talk about throughout the fight. I think Wonderboy, you know, it was a 49 to 45 decision, 49, 46 decision. I think it could have probably went 50, 45. Uh, I think they did end up giving the third round to Jeff Neal, but Wonderboy was absolutely dominant on the feet. Looked it looked like he kind of jumped into a transporter five years ago. He looked absolutely tremendous. His uh, karate is still top quality and he absolutely dominated Jeff Neal. Yeah. I mean, he, he's showing that there's levels to striking, right? He showed what it is to be a high level elite striker. And I mean, he was just moving in, he was moving out. He was maintaining his distance beautifully. It was just great to watch. Uh, the accidental clash of heads was that in the first round or the second round? I, can't I think remember. it was in the second round. In the second round, um, that was you know fought through some adversity there. Both guys got cut early and had to kind of deal with that. I think the cut was in a worse spot for Neil, but Wonder Boy um, still fought through where, where his cut, which was above his his eyebrow. Luckily, didn't seem to get into his vision much. But in terms of adversity, I mean, we saw in the fourth round. Um, uh, a knee, I think it was, was landed on Wonder Boy. He's not entirely sure how it happened, but you saw his leg yeah. swell up like crazy, and he was pretty much fighting on one leg. And he fought through that, still was able to move in and move out, and just, I mean, at that point, um, was clearly ahead on the scorecard. And Neil needed a, a knockout to to try to win, and Wonder Boy still got in the middle, still, you know, threw threw down with him and you know, came back with a decision victory, which was great to see. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable watching Wonder Boy fight. He's he's one of those guys, 
especially in the welterweight division, where what his striking is so unique and visually appealing that every fight he's in is a must watch. Um, his the way that he uses his legs to keep the distance is truly incredible. I always get interested though, and it seems to always be the case where he runs into these fighter or these wrestlers, these really high level wrestlers. Not, um, you know, unfortunately, Luke wasn't really able to show it in their last fight, but he has trouble with it. But, um, you know, he just looked so so good last night. I think Jeff Neal was a good matchup for him. Jeff Neal, obviously, on a hot streak. Wonder Boy has been somewhat of a gatekeeper uh, the past few fights, needing to kind of hold off some of these rising stars, uh, to put it that way. And I think he's done that with Luke and Neil and is really setting himself up well uh, for for a key fight to move him into title contention, which kind of leads to my next question, because, again, I, I think the fight was fairly straightforward. Uh, what do we think is next for Wonderboy? Obviously, he went on the air and he wants Masvidal, the NMF versus the BMF. Uh, two, their first fight wasn't super um, super entertaining, but again, Jorge Masvidal is a different beast now. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so there's some so there's some intrigue to that fight. But personally, I think Wonderboy would fit perfectly with Leon Edwards, assuming he beats Hazmat. So what do you think? Yeah, I think that, that that fight makes more sense. I think Jorge Masvidal is all but – it's a hot take, but I think he's all but done, man. I feel like he just wants the money fights at this point. I think that he's – I'm just – I'm not a huge Masvidal fan. I feel like he talks a big game, and when it's time to show up for, like, the big fights, he doesn't seem to perform. We, uh, we were quick to, to, to say that he's – um, you know, he looked great against Nate Diaz, but is Nate Diaz washed? And then, you know, he looked great against Ben Askren, but we only saw six seconds. It was, it was an awesome knee, but it didn't really, he didn't really show anything besides the fact that he can sprint really fast and hit somebody in the face with his knee. So I'd be interested to see that fight, but I don't think Jorge's game for it. I think that it makes sense to the, the winner of the Edwards fight. Um, or even Colby Covington would be an awesome fight as well. Okay. I mean, for, for Wonderboy, you're saying, not Jorge. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really – I mean, I think it's a brutally bad take. I think regardless of whether Nate Diaz – I mean, first of all, I don't think Nate Diaz is washed. Nate Diaz is always game. But Jorge Masvidal, I mean, it was an outclassing. I mean, Nate Diaz was one of the best fighters in UFC history, you could consider him. And he outclassed him in, in every way. I think the Askren fight showed what type of creativity he brings to the table. He was easily the fight of the year. I think the problem was when you say comes for the big fights, I guess when you look at a guy like Kamaru Usman, there's a clear difference in skill level there. But again, there was a few things that were uh, on the table that maybe made this for, maybe made this a little bit different of a fight than we were expecting because it was only, I I think it was what, 13 days notice, 14 days notice when it all got Mm -hmm. the call. Um, so yeah, I feel like he, I feel like he fabricates that a bit. He says he wasn't training. He wasn't training, but then you hear reports that he was training. So I just, I don't don't, know, man. I feel like, I don't think he was training. He's, he's made it clear that when he doesn't really train as hard until he gets into camp and then he's totally, yeah, I don't buy it. So I don't buy it. Well, I mean, I don't know what else to tell you. That's I, I totally buy it, but I do believe there's a skill difference. I also don't believe that Masvidal is at a point in his career right now with his, popularity still i think skyrocketed that he 
needs to take a fight with Wonder Boy right now. I, I I'm fairly certain that uh, Masvidal had already responded to Wonder Boy's request, but um, I just think right now the best thing for Stephen Thompson to do would be to take on somebody who could elevate. I think he probably feels he could elevate his level by going up against the Masvidal, and that's probably why he's going up against him. But you know it. You know, it, it, I, I think what makes fen- makes sense is a Leon Edwards fight because I still think Leon Edwards is playing somewhat of a gatekeeper role right now with Hamzat, and if he's able to beat him, uh, then I think a Wonder Boy fight makes complete sense. But it looks like, based on what Masvidal says, he'd be game for it in 2021. Looks like he responded with hashtag unfinished business, so wouldn't be, uh, you know, maybe wouldn't be a terrible idea for Wonder Boy to get in the ring with him. But I think a Colby Covington Masvidal fight would be would be cool. I think I think um, just kind of circling back to the original question, I think that Wonder Boy is two more fights away from a from a yeah, title shot. Sure. Meaning 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 two more, you know, performances like he put on la- in his last fight, or at least or maybe one more. If he if he puts on another five round performance where he just completely outclasses the guy. It's going to be difficult for them not to to give him uh, a title shot, especially at his age. He doesn't have too many fights left in the tank, I would assume. So I would like to see him get it sooner than later if he's going to continue to perform the way that he did um, last Saturday. Yep, and I completely agree with that. So let's move on to the co-main here, uh, Jose Aldo against Cheeto. You know, I I think it, I think uh, you know it wasn't necessarily as distant i think as people made it out to seem i think that uh like on if you looked at the consensus on twitter and i'm sure what you're going to say next you know it was fairly clear amongst the community that jose aldo had won but if you really look back at these these numbers here i mean cheeto fought fairly well i mean again it would have probably been in his best interest to get jose on the ground Obviously, Jose's a jujitsu black belt, but I think Vera is just, that's where his bread and butter is. And, uh, you know, if you look at the total strikes and significant strikes, Cheeto outstruck Jose Aldo and he outstruck him with significant strikes. Um, obviously, he was hitting at a smaller percentage because towards the end, I think he definitely got a little bit nervous. And again, I think Jose Aldo has a little bit of home field advantage every time that he fights, considering he's such a legend. But I think that fight was a little bit closer than I think you're going to make it out to seem like it was no i first of all i don't appreciate that no i'm just kidding but no i think that um (laughs) i think that um jose aldo showed that how he showed what you said said? go ahead i said jose aldo showed why he's a veteran in the third round so it was a close i agree it was a close fight and in the third round jose aldo got his back and just didn't let go and cheeto was completely lost he couldn't get him off of him so Jose Aldo showed he knew that it was a close fight. He knew that if he took the third round, it was more than likely that he would win. And he just didn't even give Cheeto a chance. He took his back and just literally held him there and won the fight. So I think that we saw experience play a huge part in the victory um, in that fight. And I think that I would like to see Cheeto get back in there sooner than later because I think he, he does have a lot more to, to show than we saw against Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see where Cheeto goes from here. Like Sean O'Malley was kind of calling him out on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I think Sean O'Malley. Now, if you remember that fight uh, back when they fought at UFC 240, 
I don't even want to throw a number on it, but when they fought last, the obviously Sean O'Malley had injured his leg early on in that fight, basically was fighting literally on one leg and bear just completely took advantage of it. So I think if you look at that fight again, O'Malley probably does win it. But, I mean, Vera's pretty elevated right now. I mean, he just had a good fight against Aldo. Where does he kind of go here? I mean, the bantamweight division is pretty exciting right now with Dilla Cheat coming back, uh, Henry Cejudo teasing his return. You know, still haven't seen Dominic Cruz. I don't know. Has, or Dominic Cruz has officially hung it up, right? Um, I don't know if he's officially announced it, but the dude's so bitter. I wouldn't be yeah, surprised. Yeah, I, I think he's he's kind of teased it, but – you know, who even knows, but the bantamweight division is exciting. I think there's a lot of decent fights out there for Cheeto. Uh, I, I don't think he falls all the way back to the point where he's, you know, fighting nobodies, right? Like Rob Font, obviously, and we'll get into that, uh, had a really big fight or a really big win, right? You have Song Yud, Bill, mm-hmm. who's, you know, a good fighter. He's a great fighter. He, he can maybe revenge that loss. Um, you have some good, uh, Sun Sao is always a good fight. He's kind of on the skids, you know, so, and we'll get into another, uh, we'll get into another bantamweight fight that was just made, uh, earlier this week. So, or late last week. So we'll, we'll, we'll get into that later, but I think there's definitely some, some room for, for Cheeto to make some, make a splash. Yeah, but I, I agree with what you're saying. I don't think he necessarily has to fight O'Malley again, but I think that it, what, it might be in his best interest because to the casual fan, there's a lot of unanswered questions from that fight. I think that Cheeto would have won that fight. I actually bet him in that fight uh, going into it. That was UFC 252, by the way. And I think that um, it would make sense for him from a um, marketing standpoint, right? If he could take out Sugar Sean and show that um, he is, you know – actually better than him and that he deserved to win that first fight i think that that could propel him into an even bigger fight that he could get coming off of this loss against aldo so i think from a marketing standpoint it might make sense for cheeto to to circle back and run it back with o'malley but i don't think he necessarily has to but i wouldn't be surprised to see him. yeah and i think you make a good point there and it kind of leads into the question that now what happens with aldo right although i wouldn't say that was a statement when Knowing the UFC, they'll bump him up ahead of Pedro Munoz here, um, Munoz, and they'll probably wait to see what happens with Frankie Edgar and Corey Sanhagen. But, and Marias mm-hmm. will obviously take a, a nice little stumble down the, the rankings, which we'll get into again in a second. But where does Aldo go from here? I mean, does like a Cody Garbrandt fight make sense? Um, I think so. I th- that's exactly what I was going to say. I think that'd be a really good fight. I think to see Cody's coming off of an injury, I know he had COVID pretty bad. And um, I would like to see him, you know, I don't think that, I know Cody thinks that he's ready to fight for the title already, but I don't think he's proven that yet, especially in a stacked division like we have. So I think that that would be a a great fight to see. I think the the winner of the Edgar Sanhagen fight, um, I think next in line is going to be Sterling for the title. And then the winner of the Frankie Sanhagen fight, I think would be next in line after that. And then you can kind of plug and play um, Aldo and uh, Cody. I think that would make a yeah, lot of sense. And I, I'm really loving Dillichie coming back into the division. Even though I hate him as a person and as a fighter, I really do look forward to the fights that he creates. I I think mm-hmm. that there's a lot of really talented, obviously, Peter, Peter Jan, um, 
Aljo. You know, you've got a lot of young, hungry fighters in that division. Uh, and even the back of it, like with with Cheeto, I mean, with Sugar Sean, Rob Font, a huge win, which we'll talk about in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, Raphael Sunsau, you can never count him out. You know, there's guys in that division that make it so interesting. And you really look at where the UFC was a year and a half, you know, a year and a half ago, and you saw some struggling going on in some of these later divisions. I mean, you saw some, the featherweight division, Max Holloway essentially cleared it out. Uh, you see Dillichie essentially handling the bantamweight division. The flyweight division was about to be removed. And now you see these contenders starting to build themselves up. You have Brandon Moreno and Davis and Figueredo. Piotr Jan mm-hmm. looks fantastic. Aljo, Corey Sanhagen, um, Jose Aldo moving down. Then you have Max Holloway, Volkanovski, a dominant champion. You have Zabit. You have Calvin Cater, guys that are building themselves up. It's really exciting to see, and I'm, I'm definitely super excited about the potential for not only the later divisions, but specifically what we're talking about here, the bantamweight division. Yeah, I think you make an excellent point. It just shows how elite these UFC fighters are and why it's the best promotion in MMA. Absolutely. And, and, and let's go down to the next fight here, which I know you have a lot to talk about. You had mentioned it a few times uh, on our Twitter. So the Marlon Marias rob Font fight, I was blown away. I'm devastated. Yeah, I'm devastated. we both bet on that fight. Um, I bet on it through yeah. a parlay. You bet on it individually, I think. And uh, am I right on that? Yeah, I put three units on, on Marais. He was, you know, I, I was really high on him going into the fight. He just hasn't looked the same, though, man, since he lost to Cejudo. And I'm just wondering if he's going to, I don't know where he's going to go from here. And is this the last we're going to see of Marais in the yeah. UFC? Because it, it looks like once you lose your chin, you know, once you're at that age and you lose your chin, it's really hard to come back from that. So I really hope that's not the case with him. But, yeah. man. Yeah, good. it's it's really tough. I love watching Marlon Marais fight. I wrote this on my Twitter beforehand. Uh, I mean, it was really, really tough to watch. I think a round one knockout of a guy that can hit as hard as that. I mean, it, it, you, it begs the question. I mean, is possibly a release in his future with this max exodus of with this mass exodus of these fighters? I mean, Marlon Marais seems like somebody who would probably fit that bill. Obviously, one of the difficult things was, you know, obviously two losses this year. But last year, uh, Dana White essentially, even though he beat Jose Aldo, he essentially told Jose Aldo, hey, you won that fight. Marlon Marais, even though you were given the decision victory, it was essentially a loss for you, which I think was so fucked up in so many ways. But I understand why Dana did it. He did it for business, but he basically treated it like a loss. And then obviously a tough loss Mm -hmm. against um, Triple C has basically led to four straight losses. So you think maybe Bellator in his future? Yeah, I hate to say it, but I think it, it might be the case because, like you said, I was going to bring that up as well. The Aldo fight, he won the fight technically, but they pretty much treated it like a loss. So once once that happens, you start to see, like I, I said this on the first episode, if you're on Dana White's, uh, you know, if Dana White starts to blackball you, you might as well just kiss your career goodbye because he, if he doesn't want to book you, if he doesn't want to promote you, then like you said, with this mass exodus coming, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him on the list. His chin looks to be gone. 
uh, it's just it's rough, man. It's it's really sad to see because he's such a high level striker, and that's where he he really does impress. So if he can't do that, and he's going to have to take it to the ground, which you know he's more than capable of doing. But if he can't rely on his striking at all, then I just don't see him securing any big victories um, in the division. Yeah. So it sucks. Yeah. It and sucks. It could be a similar situation to uh, you know Cody Garbrandt. Maybe he takes some time, kind of recenters himself. Because he's still a draw, I feel. Uh, come back to the division, take a lesser fight, and try to work himself up. So maybe he just needs some time away. Who knows? Maybe a year off would do him well. But I don't want that to take away from Rob Font because that was an impressive knockout win, uh, of statement win, as he looks to climb himself up the rate uh, up the rankings. He was ranked 11 during this fight. Uh, I'm going to see him probably sniffing that top eight. Uh, or that top seven probably will end up around eight after this one. So what happens next with with uh, Font? I mean, does he become somewhat of a gatekeeper for someone like Cheeto, or do you continue riding that momentum and hope that he can go up against maybe the loser of Sandhagen and Frankie Edgar, or maybe does he make sense against a Cody Garbrandt? So I know he won't fight Frankie Edgar um, because they they've trained together in the past, and I just know that Frankie Edgar has said that he there's no, at this point in his career, he's not going to fight somebody like Arias. So, or Cody talking, for that matter. So that's not, we're talking about Rob that? Font. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought, okay, I got you. So Rob Font, what's next for Rob Font? Um, yeah, I guess so. I, 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 in terms of Frank Yeager, again, just circling back to that, if he loses this fight, um, I think there's bigger questions as to his future in the UFC as a whole at this point in his career. But um, I think that the loser of that fight, assuming that Frank Yeager remains in the UFC and remains to want to continue to fight, then yes, I think that that would make sense. I think that I don't think this is going to propel him super high in the rankings, even though Marias is ranked number three, um, just based on what we were saying before on how Dana White views Marias. I think that he, you know, Marias might be ranked three, but I think he looks at Aldo as, as a, a higher level fighter and I think that the rankings may reflect that I'd be interested to see how it turns out but I think that that him taking on the loser of the Edgar um Edgar Stanhagen fight yeah. would make sense and then also again putting him up him up against Cody would make yeah. sense as well but I don't know if they would I don't know if they would fight each other because they think they've trained together but um yeah, I think the thing with Rob Fawn is, again, his activity level. Dana doesn't usually like to reward that. Again, he's only had two fights in two years. He did beat Ricky Simone, which was an awesome fight, um, where he was over on, on the Overeem Rosenstrike uh, card last year around this time. And so he was able to beat Ricky Simone, took a year, um, obviously knocked out Marlon Marias. I think he's going to have to put together a few more wins to get to the top there. So. I think what would make sense potentially a rematch with a Sun Sal, who I believe he lost to two years ago, would make a lot of sense. Uh, I think the loser of, um, I think the loser of Sanhagen, Frankie Edgar, makes a lot of sense. I don't know if it makes a ton of sense for Frankie Edgar. I don't know if he would take that, but uh, you know, something to keep in mind. So it'll be interesting to see how that fight shakes out as we move forward here. Um, so again, moving to the last two fights. Uh, Michelle Perea with a big uh, decision win over Chaos Williams. Another rough one for the Gamblers. Um, 
Chaos Williams, I thought that power and that reach was going to be able to overcome uh, Perea's kind of chaotic style. Obviously, it didn't. Perea looked very dedicated, or looked very uh, disciplined, surprisingly, and was able to pull up the win. Shows what he's really capable of when he's not going uh, for all that radical shit that he does from time to time in these fights. Yeah, Michelle looked really good. I think that he, uh, like you said, when he's not doing backflips, it shows that his unorthodox style could make it really hard to get a read on him. And you could see Chaos was trying to figure it out. He almost was, he, like Dana, uh, Daniel Cormier was saying, he was taking pictures of him. He was trying to figure out how he can get in there and, and get some shots in. And, and Perea was just constantly moving, constantly moving target. And he looked really good. I'm excited to see him continue to fight. And I can't wait to see what's next for him because if he can be disciplined, He's a big, big yeah. guy for the division, and I think that he could be a problem as long as, long as he uh, remains disciplined. He's been he's been training at the UFC PI, and I think that that's probably done a lot of good for him and uh, helped him with his weight cut and obviously helped him with his discipline. So excited to see what uh, the future holds for him. I think that uh, yeah, I it's think bright. they both uh, you know still need some work again. We'll see if Perea gets that trust of Dana White, which is always so hard to come by, and I think. Chaos is chaos is kind of back to going to have to put together some wins. I think he got exposed in a pretty big way. I think he's uh, a little bit too one-dimensional, so he's going to really need to focus this next year on uh, improving his all-around game. And let's and which leads me to, of course, my most heartbreaking loss of the night because I really thought this was a lock. Uh, Marcin Tybora against Greg Hardy. Tybora with the knockout win. Uh, the TKO knockout win in round two uh, on the ground there. I think, I mean, it's <laughs> that, was, that was not a great look for Greg Hardy. Uh, I think it really sometimes shows when you're going up against tomato cans like he was, how Dana White was really trying to build him up. <laughs> Once you go up against an absolute killer like Tabora that you, you know, there's you get exposed. And I think that is exactly what happened. Yeah, this is this was a big test for Greg Hardy, and he failed. Um, we he his power obviously is something that you can't take away from him, but we saw that once you take it to the ground like that, and his his cardio is just not there. I don't know what it is, man. Like I, I just don't understand why he. I guess it's his asthma. I mean, we saw him taking the inhaler, but he, he cannot get his cardio to the point yeah. where it needs to be to fight yeah. these fights. Let alone if he wants to be a championship contender, he's not going to be able to fight a five round fight. He can't even yep. go two rounds. So it's just, it's, it's almost embarrassing to see the cardio of Greg Hardy, especially coming from the NFL. It's just, it doesn't make any sense to me. Greg Hardy really needs to, to focus on that aspect of his game, I think, yep. more than anything. And I think really the two other things from the prelims that are of note obviously, Anthony Pettis, Showtime with the win. Love that, mm-hmm. obviously, as a longtime UFC fan. We love anytime Showtime gets in the business, but he obviously, that was the last fight on his contract. So, really, the everything's up in the air right now for Anthony Pettis. Uh, it's my understanding that I believe UFC is not bringing him back, unless you've heard otherwise. Uh, I didn't hear either way. I think that he said he wanted to go up a weight class. Didn't he say that? You want to go yeah, up let me one? Double check here. So, oh, it looks like no. It looks like he's going back to lightweight. So he's going down. Okay, so he's going down one. Yeah, I knew he wanted to change his, his weight class, 
Um, it is not my understanding that they're not going to be offering him a contract. I don't think that they've yeah. said either way. I would be surprised if they didn't offer him a contract. I think he's a pretty good draw. Um, I mean, I would t- I tune in to watch him fight. It, the only reason I watched the prelims, you know, the only reason I was really excited for the prelims was to watch Showtime. So I would be surprised from a business standpoint if they don't bring him back. But I mean, yeah, we'll I mean, I do. agree with that. But again, you have to look at some of these guys and, you know, their fight contracts, what it costs to bring in a guy like Showtime. Again, he is a big, he is a big, um, he's a big draw. So that contract is probably not cheap to bring him in. So I, I am interested yeah. to see what happens there. And then again, the flying triangle from Jimmy Flick, the flyweight was incredible. Um, so he moves to 16 and five. He will be an interesting one to watch uh, as again, the flyweight division starts to take shape, but that fly, that flying triangle was unreal. And I'm very excited to see again, you know, some of these flyweight guys, as we were saying last week, and as we said earlier in the show, they're building their names Right, he's Jimmy Flicks on a four-fight win streak. I'm I'm interested to see how this all shapes out and really what happens with the flyweight division. It's the first time in a long time that I'm interested. I think I think uh, Mighty Mouse kind of, and I see this on Twitter a lot. He was almost so good that he killed the division, and now Cejudo almost brought the division back to life in a weird way um, because it just gave time mm-hmm. for some of these younger guys to develop and. I'm 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 really excited about the flyweights, and I think that flying triangle was just it just got me so excited, especially off the heels of last week's fight. Yeah, there's a lot to be excited about the flyweight division, all of the divisions yeah. in the UFC, honestly. But yeah, I think that I think that it gave gave them some time to, like you said, to make a name for themselves, and we're starting to see that. We're starting to get excited. And I, I, for one, love watching these flyweights fight. So can't wait for to see what Jimmy Flick's got. I'd be interested to see who they give him next. And I want to see if he can, you know, continue to make a name for himself and, and start to make a splash in the division. So as we wrap up our show, I do want to make sure that we hit on a few of the big stories from the past week, uh, as well as preview what's coming on the Wednesday show. Um, but it looks like Yoel Romero and Rampage are on a crash course uh, to get each other with their first fights in Bellator. So something we talked about two weeks ago, that would be a really exciting fight. <laughs> I think we could all say uh, Yoel's going to move up to 205 to make that fight happen. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I'm super pumped for it. I honestly have no idea who's going to win the fight. We haven't seen Rampage fight in, in, in a long time. Uh, Yoel's last fight was less than impressive against uh, Adesanya. So excited to see what happens in that fight. If I, I would have to go back and, and watch some of Rampage's old, older fights before I can make a, uh, a determination on who I think is going to win it. But all I know is it's going to be awesome as long as Yoel doesn't act like he did in the Izzy fight. We should see some, some bombs yeah. being thrown in that fight. Uh, moving on, as we had kind of alluded to earlier on, Frankie Edgar announced to fight Cody Sanhagen. Great fight. Two tough competitors, two top fighters in the bantamweight division what do you think of that i'm super pumped i'm a huge frankie Edgar fan um i i think that the moving down was great for him this is a, his true weight class and i think that i don't know i i don't i don't know who's going to win the fight at this point um but i think that if frankie Edgar wins this fight 
he, in my opinion, deserves a title shot. He looked great against Pedro, and he, I mean, he's yeah. always looked great. He's always impressive, and it's crazy how old he is and how he's still putting it together. So I think that if he can win this this fight, it immediately puts him in for the next title shot. But I'm super pumped for the fight. I think that Frank Yeager still got a lot left in the tank, and I think we saw that in the Pedro fight. I think he feels rejuvenated at his new weight class, and I'm excited, yep. super excited. For I'm him. also uh, in total agreement with you there. Um, so moving on, the January 16th card in Abu Dhabi, uh, Li Zhengliang will replace Muslim Salakov to fight Ponzinibbio in his return fight. A very highly, uh, highly excitable matchup here. Again, uh, Lee is coming off a loss, but the absolute knockout artist that he is, I think it's going to be an absolute slobber knocker. Ponzinibbio is coming back with a lot to prove. Everybody is ecstatic to see him uh, come back. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think it's going to be a slobber knocker. Like you said, I'm super pumped. You pretty much touched on everything. I think that we're going to see we're going to see a knockout. <laughs> I don't know who's going to get knocked out, yeah, but I think we're going to see agree. a knockout. I agree. I think Ponzinibbio has a lot to prove. He's been away for two years. Super excited to see what he's got. Um, again, his style, though, it's going to be an interesting matchup. Obviously, Ponzinibbio has got that uh, those submissions on lock, and I'm excited to see how it ends up. So wrapping up the news, uh, would be remiss not to mention the fact that Jake Paul has been on an absolute call-out streak, calling out Conor McGregor left and right, going and doing the run-up on uh, Dylan Dennis while he was recording with Brandon Schaub. Um, you know, it's staged. Staged. So, but what do you what do you what do you think of this, man? Is is there any credence to Jake Paul getting a big fight like this, or or, or where are we at? So I, I actually do think it was staged. Like, I'm not being a conspiracy theorist, but we don't have to talk about that. But Logan Paul was on on his show, like, the week before. And then all, now you're going to tell me that they had the perfect camera angle of him driving by and doing this. I think it was staged. But regardless, it, it did what it if, – even if it was staged, it did what it was supposed to do, which was generate clicks and have people talking about it. I think that Jake Paul versus Dylan Danis makes actual sense in a boxing match. I think that – it would, I would tune in for that, and I think that it would actually be a pretty decent fight. I think Jake Paul versus Conor McGregor makes absolutely zero sense for Conor McGregor. He doesn't need to do that, um, so I don't think that's going to happen. But I think Jake Paul, Dylan Danis makes sense. Dylan Danis is going to be able to make a name for himself by doing this. He's going to be able to make more money than he can ever make fighting uh, mixed martial arts. So I think that this fight would make sense for the both of them. Jake Paul can actually go up against a fighter. Dylan Danis can get a paycheck that he would otherwise not be able to get. And I think that yeah. we will and see I agree happen. with you. Uh, and I also agree with you on the Conor McGregor front. I think the real difference between Floyd and Conor, they always talk about, you know, making those comparisons, right? Floyd is a, is a prize fighter. Conor is a prize fighter. They both should be trying to make the most amount of money without with taking the least amount of damage. As I've thought about it, they're in completely different positions in their career. Floyd is at the absolute end of his career. He's not the same fighter that he was prior. Uh, yes, he's the greatest fighter to ever live, but he's also in his 40s, right? Connor's 30s. He still mm -hmm. thinks that he has the possibility to make a run at a title. He's in, in prime position to do so. 
And taking a fight with Jake Paul would just delegitimize anything that he was trying to do. So if he was just trying to get the bag, then like, yeah, maybe do it. But it makes no sense for him if he really wants to be considered and a legitimate fighter and is not worried about the bag and wants to prove himself and improve. He's yeah, Conor McGregor is going to get money regardless. His, he might not get the, the same amount of money that he's going to get for the actual fight itself, but he's got so many different um, prom- like marketing promotions and things like that that he's making money on. He doesn't need the money. The money would be great, but he doesn't need it. This is his last chance at going for the title in the UFC, and he's not going to deal with the distraction like Jake Paul and let that you know stop him from going after the title. Um, yeah, I just I don't see it happening at all. So, so that so that wraps up the news for us today. Um, again, thank you guys for tuning in. It was a great fight night. It was a great year of UFC, and we look forward to wrapping that up on Wednesday with our first annual five round commute award show. Uh, I've been toying with a couple of the names to call the awards, but I really was leaning towards the Charles Oliveira Award for every award, just to make Jerome have to say them, have to say the word Oliveira. So again, we're going to be looking at fighter of the year. We're going to be looking at fight of the year, knockout, submission. We've got our breakout fighter of the year, most improved amongst many others. So we look forward to having you guys on Wednesday for that show. Uh, And as we get into 2021, obviously a lot to talk about, a lot of news. The UFC is at the top of its popularity level, and we will be sure to cover it week in and week out. Jerome, do you have anything for the people before we sign off? No, all I got to say is I don't know what we're going to do for three weeks without UFC. We've been spoiled. I cannot wait for Max Holloway to fight again. We will talk about that on our next show. Uh, Not our next show, but the one following that most likely. And yeah, I appreciate you guys listening. I can't wait to bring yes, you guys. And to we workshop. will be sure, even on those off periods, to be with you each and every week. He is Jerome the Laser. I am Bookie Cousins. And we are out of time.